Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. You are joined tonight by me, Kirk Henderson. I am editor-in-chief of Mavs Moneyball and constant contributor, Matthew Phillips. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good. This was a the weird game. Uh, it was just very weird. It was fun to watch. There's a little... <laughs> weird is, is, is something. So... If you're listening to this on Sunday or Monday and you chose to do something different with your Saturday night, you had every right. Okay. The the Golden State Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks matched up on ABC, a primetime game. But here's the problem. Luka Doncic wasn't going to play because of a foot injury. And the Mavericks have not won a game without Luka Doncic. I think they have now fallen to 0 and 7 minus Luka for full games and wouldn't you know it they fell again on saturday night 119 to 113 but i'm gonna let mary i'm gonna mary that's my wife i'm gonna let matt carry most of this podcast because he gambled on this thing like a true uh, true degenerate like just unbelievable respect there but then this game was like kind of grossly entertaining I, i is that a fair like assessment what do you what do you think uh, actually, I, I really do. I, I enjoy games like this where it's uh, it's a little bit. It's almost like summer league is transported to the actual NBA and put on ABC just because the wild stuff that happens. Um, speaking of the wild stuff that happened, the first thing that I have uh, for the Mavs long term, um, I actually take this game as a positive Jaden Hardy game. He did not look good. Um, I'll clarify that because there are going to be a lot of people, and I saw a lot of tweets about how bad he was and everything. But he was not discouraged by the moment, and he was not discouraged by his failures. Like, when he attacked and things didn't work, he still he kept trying. He kept getting up shots. He got up eight shots in 13 minutes, which the type of player he is going to have to be to be successful is an offense first play. Like, is going to have to be one of those no-conscience guys. Um, and so it's good. And the Mavs haven't really had that for a long time. Like, if you think of other than Luka – all of the Mavs um, young players that they've had recently have been guys who are going to develop into role players or even Jalen Brunson, as good as he was and everything. He wasn't like a, a no conscience guy. He was a, he was going to take the right shots and do all of that. And so it's just, it's, it's fun to have one of the guys that's out there that's just going to look to score because there's a lot of those guys in the NBA and a lot of times they don't end up working out, but it, they give you hope. And it's just, it's fun to see. It's just something different. Like, cause he, he really was like, he tried a bunch of stuff. Some of it worked. Uh, some of it failed miserably. Um, we had that. And, and that was just, it, it's fun for me to watch stuff like that because the Mavs, what they have been this year is a whole lot of not a lot of fun. Mm. Like that, that's been the thing is even when things have been going well, when things haven't been going well, they've been, everything's been routine it's the same thing it's plotting and this game was not that at all this game was i mean i don't really want to curse on here but this game was wild ass is what it was for large portions of this game and so i mean we went from there um it's it's also it was interesting i saw a lot of people complain about josh green not creating his own looks and stuff like that i have no issue with josh green not being good in games like this just because that that's not what he is. Uh, the Mavs ran some really, really weird lineups. I think at one point they had Green, Nidalekina, um, Reggie Bullock was at center, AJ Lawson was in, and Jaden Hardy. And it was just, 
and they were giving Josh Green the ball and saying, go get a bucket. And that's just not his game. Yeah. But it, yeah. It, it was fun to watch. And then also in the wildest moment of the evening, we had McKinley Wright going at Stephen Curry when the Mavs were having everyone on the team attack Steph for a little bit. And the commentator made what I believe is the most disrespectful and wildest comment I've ever seen in my entire time watching the NBA when he said McKinley Wright is playing with his food regarding Stephen freaking Curry. That is oh, the like most one of one of the, the most influential players in basketball history who multi uh, you just that's a crazy thing to say out loud. Who, which announcer was it? Our announcer was it? Doris Burke? Like what the it hell was, happened? It was, on, it was on ABC. Um, I'm not sure who it wasn't. Doris. Oh. It was the male announcer. Okay. Um, I'm not sure who it was, but it was. I don't believe this game was on uh, the Mavs feed. No, but no, it's nationally televised. Yeah. When I heard it, I was just, I was like, that is literally so, the most disrespectful thing I have ever heard from any announcer to call Stephen Curry food for McKinley Wright. And I'm a Mavericks fan. I like when you put the other team down. But it's Steph freaking Curry. Have some respect. So the the thing that that I, I want to talk to you about, there's lots of things I want to talk to you about because, you know, there's no there's not really any such thing as a moral victory. Like the Mavericks had six guys scoring double figures. They tried real hard. They did not have the horses. And that was my main takeaway. Like when Luca was out, this is an insta loss. Like I, I, it just, it is. And the Warriors are a mess in and of their own right, but they're also now 20 and six at home. So, you know, they're good at some specific sets of things. I mean, when they were picking the Mavs apart, it was a clinic. They got up by 23 at certain points and their, their offense is just so hard to guard that when they really set their mind to it, they destroyed the Mavericks. Now, the thing about the Warriors is they play with their food too much. Um, and, and the Mavericks found a way to climb back into it. So depending on if you're a glass half full or glass half full uh, or, or glass, glass half empty kind of person, there's just multiple ways you could look at this game. I mean, I, for one, enjoyed the Dorian Finney-Smith of it all. I thought he really battled his ass off. I'm looking at him and Hardaway and Spencer, and I'm pretty pleased with their efforts. I I need I need to understand what happened to Josh Green. Was he just out there for every element of a massacre? Because he was a negative 28 in 27 minutes, but also had, you know, 12 points, four assists. He had zero, he had one rebound, which is pretty, pretty whack. Yeah. But what the hell happened with Green? Like, what was going I, on there? I'm not 100% certain on this, but I believe almost all of his minutes mirrored Steph Curry's minutes yeah. uh, for the most part. Yeah, because he was guarding him. And that's not, you know, that's not something that's, I'm holding that, Josh Green accountable for. Yeah, I mean, so he he did that. Um, I think they mirrored a lot of That's why a single, single game plus minus is a really, really finicky stat. Um, I, I do want to talk about Dorian. I've missed Dorian the rebounder. Um, yeah, I have too. I, that's I, very I, important to his game. I've missed aggressive. I'm going to get offensive rebounds. Dorian, he had four offensive rebounds tonight, nine total rebounds. He had 18 points. I think 17 of them were in the first half. Um, so he kind of fell off a little bit in the end. But it was really <laughs> – to speak to how wild this game was, in the first half, for large portions of the first half, this was an offensive battle between Dorian Finney-Smith and Draymond Green, who made his first three threes, which it's just <laughs> – Again, that's just so weird. Like nothing about this game made sense. 
And with with Josh, like I said, they asked him to create his like he was running offense for large portions of the game, which uh, I kind of wanted to see. I wanted to yeah. see it. Um, he had a fantastic pass. The one Shoo, in the third I know which one you're talking about. Describe it. The uh, so it's in the third quarter. They're coming down. It's in semi transition, like it's basically a delayed break. He catches the ball underneath the basket on the, and he goes and he makes what looks like he's going to make the normal play that NBA players make, where he reaches out beyond the baseline and he's going to sling it to the opposite corner, which there corner. is a shooter mm-hmm. there, and I believe it was Bullock. And then somehow he just cups it and keeps And there's another defender that goes over there and was going <laughs> to cut that pass off. And he just cups it and brings it back and throws it to the opposite wing, which is Tim Hardaway Jr., who is wide open. And On the money. Three. And I mean, like, in the shooter pocket, just boom. It looked and like something you would see Luca do. Like It did. That, that's the only other person on this team that I could see making that pass. It was yeah. like like – it, it, this is an awful comparison, but in in Star Trek Four, the the voyage home, the slingshot, they, they just yes, they describe how they're going to travel through time, which is like warping around the sun at a certain rate, and it was that's what that pass was to me. It was a fucking slingshot, and like I kick Josh Green in the in the shins all the time, largely because the people who support him think he's Christ reborn. But this was like the cool basketball play that that we should get excited over like that was a neat ass play i loved it yeah i i enjoyed that i enjoyed that he created some of his own offense going to the rim like he was oh four on threes today which he's made that's enough fine. Threes, really, though that's fine like he was yeah. he took he took 12 shots in 27 minutes which 12 shots is not a ton but for him that's a lot like that is the fact that he was willing to try to create offense he had four assists um he still only had one turnover it, it wasn't a great game. Like, I'm not going to come back out here and say, oh, you know, Josh Green was so good, you know, whatever. But it's it, it was a learning step for him. The One of the other things that I want to talk about, too, is Tim Hardaway was 5 of 10 on threes. Hardaway has been in a horrific slump. And if this gets him going, I, I understand the danger of getting sucked in by Tim Hardaway Jr. I understand the issues with him. Um, but the Mav, he is the Mavs' highest volume shooter and one of Luca's preternatural talents is being able to create open looks for his teammates, but that's only valuable if his teammates are both willing to take and more importantly, able to make those open looks. So if this gets Hardaway back into some sort of a rhythm, that is a positive, even in this bad game. I, I him being good is valuable to the Mavericks. Now, I don't know where they go from here with, with any of this, like this, Luca's probably going to miss a Utah game too. Mm-hmm. Like that's that was something that got reported by I think it was Stein before the game. So that means the Mavericks will likely lose in Utah because the Utah is one of the best offensive teams in the league, and the Mavericks are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. In fact, without Luka Doncic, um, they are. And and a friend sent me this tweet from Mavs Muse. The Mavs without Luka Doncic this season, 0-7 record, 30th in defense, 30th in field goal percentage, 30th in three-point percentage, 30th in net rating, 28th in offense. Ooh, Christ. So I think they're going to lose the Utah game unless something weird happens, which weird stuff happens. That means they, the game before the trade deadline, they played the Los Angeles Clippers. And the, the, the Clippers are, I don't know. I, I'm okay putting this out there it really seems like the Clippers may make a strong offer for Kyrie Irving somehow. He wouldn't play in that game, 
probably if that happens, but it's just, I, the Clippers are then asking the question, what if we made the entire plane out of cancer? I just, I, I can't, it's amazing. Like just such a dysfunctional ass team sounds amazing, but they head into the trade deadline having, you know, the game right before the trade deadline, the Mavericks playing the Clippers and the Clippers have been destroying Dallas. Kai, um, Kawhi's been on a mission and it's just, it's something to see. Yeah, it's so on on the Kyrie stuff, and I don't want to go too far off into that tangent because I know you had the live show the other day. And okay, I mean all of that. So the stuff with Kyrie, I if that trade happens, I will like if he ends up in Dallas, and I understand that I I think that that's kind of getting shot down now is unlikely. I will talk myself into. I understand the basketball pluses of Kyrie Irving. He has he is one of the most offensive offensively talented guards in the history of the NBA. If you wanted to argue to me that he's the third best offensive, third or fourth best offensive point guard in the history of the NBA, I I can buy the argument. I might not agree with it, but I can buy it. I can understand how you get there. Here's the problem though. When he Kyrie is Kyrie. When someone proves to you over and over again, who they are, it is a mistake to bet on them changing that after a decade of showing you who they are. Well, and so here, here's the deal. There, there have been team after team after team that has bought into, but yeah, if Kyrie does this, then he's this. And I, I don't necessarily, I understand. I really don't want to get into some of his comments and things, but no, I, ba- basketball stuff alone, he's not on the court enough. Yeah. Like, he's he didn't played, play like, tonight. He didn't show up. He didn't show up for half the season last year. I mean, and and people can get into arguments about whether or not it's valid and whatnot. The guy can think whatever he wants. He he can more or less do whatever he wants. The problem is if the Mavs trade for him, this is, this is my main thing on the Mavs thing is I get the, take a look, take a low cost flyer on him. I understand that argument. The problem is you're going to run into the KP. He's basically guard KP, not in that they're the same player, not in that they're similar in that, but if they trade for him, they are going to pay him. And yeah. once they pay yes. him, mm. he is no mm. longer low risk. Yep. Like that's the thing. Even if they give up nothing, if you get the crazy, I've seen some people do Tim Hardaway Jr. and D- Davis Bertans for him ideas, which just FYI fans that come up with that idea, uh, the the Nets will just let him expire before they take that trade. Um, it Even if you got that trade, if you then sign him or if you extend and trade him for that value, he is no longer low risk. So there is no low risk trade for Kyrie and he's proven countless times again, that he's, he is not someone that you want to count on. Well, I mean, because I'm, I'm going to be an asshole for a moment on this to where I desperately need to know if everyone who is a Kyrie super fan was Thanos snapped back into existence. And I want to know if you know what year it is. It is 2023. The next person who sends me a gif of him hitting a game-winning shot the five months before Trump was elected president, you, I'm going to lose my mind. He's a winning player. No. No. He's an incredible basketball player. He's played 143 games over four seasons. You pay that man your money. You get what you deserve. That's where I'm going to leave, leave the Kyrie stuff. Back to this ridiculous-ass game. And I will say that that I had a great time watching it. Our our man Jack, Mavs Moneyball, was really pissed after this game because 
it this game I think was a reminder for some people of just how Luca centric this roster is. But again, Christian Wood was out too. Would Christian Wood have helped against the Warriors? I think so. I know you don't, but I do. <laughs> Not on defense, though. It's it's a deep yeah. like the Warriors just went through like defensive, you know, the the scoring the basketball stretch that the Mavericks go through. I I, I think there's something to it, but the defensive yeah. stuff, the Mavericks just you know I. I don't know how you fix the Mavericks defense because you have the same players as last year and you're not getting the same level of effort. Is that on the coaches? I don't know. I mean, this is just tough. Like I think there's a couple of things. One, I I think that some of it is the scheme got figured out. And then I mean two, the play hard scheme. Yeah. Well, a lot of it is <laughs> so everyone in real life, if you ever have a bad boss and then you get a, a new boss that you love, you work really hard for that new boss. The problem is that can't last forever. And the Mavs clearly hated Carlisle. And yeah. I honestly think if, if if Josh had coached the, the Mavs last year, they would have played hard for him because he wasn't Carlisle. Yeah. And the problem is at some point that goes away. Um, Like that, the whole, he's not Rick Carlisle thing. And I, and I love Rick. Like I was a Rick Carlisle fan, but clearly the players hated, they were tired of him. Um. Once he's gone, the whole the whole not Rick Carlisle bump that that has about a year of a shelf life, and I think we've ex- we've gotten past that. the The reason that I would have been upset today as a fan is, and this is being rough, and I understand the difference between NBA players and regular people and all of that good stuff. Theo Pinson played seven minutes tonight. Uh, he record he had one turnover. He did not have a shot. He did not have a rebound. Did not have an assist. Did not have a steal. Did not have a block. Um, Theo Pinson legitimately looked like if you took a random person off of the Mavs Moneyball staff and said, "Go stand out there and play in this game." Um, he was. There were at times when he went to go where he was looking for people to box out. Where it legitimately, I went and watched my nieces uh, and my niece plays in eleven and twelve U in this her first year playing basketball. It looked like the girls in that level where they're looking around and they really don't know what's going on. That is what Theo Pinson looked like at points in this game. And I don't well, he's, mean he's to be mean to him. Player. He's a he's a podcaster. Respect the so, podcasters. Exactly. And so here here's the issue with this. This is this is my takeaway from this and my problem with this. Is the Mavs were very it was clearly a very important priority to them to keep an open roster spot this offseason. The Mavs also had a very clear priority to sign Theo Pinson this offseason. Having both of those things in the in the same offseason is a level of cognitive dissonance that explains a lot of the problems the Mavs have had over the last several years and that they have competing goals that do not go well together. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand oh. we need Theo Pinson for the vibes. I can understand we need an open roster spot. I cannot understand that you marry both of those goals in the same offseason and then the other things that happened in the offseason have already been discussed. There's no point going back and going over them. Well, you know, it's funny. In the postgame, Kid basically tried to explain his minutes and couldn't do it. And then Callie Kaplan, to her credit, makes a note of the fact that that our guy, uh, JaVale McGee, didn't play either. But, I mean, it's just... I mean, so... Nick Nick Angstad of, of 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 Locked On Mavs has sort of been jabbing me repeatedly about like, are we going to keep talking about this in perpetuity? Yes, and my answer is yes, but problem. I, I, my answer is yes, but I do understand 
Why? Because it's just like, Jesus, this sucks to talk about. But tonight's one of those nights where I'm just like, I can't even get mad at any of that because it's like when Luca's out and you're playing a team that just has your number, like the Warriors are a tough matchup for the Mavericks. That, that's where I settle. Yeah, they're, they're basically the inverse Mavs and that the Mavs are very one person create and drive and the Warriors just have over and over again, people who can create and drive. And it's it's funny. So I don't have an issue with the rotation tonight just because, and I mean, we ran some wild lineups. Like I looked at several of the lineups and was like, what in the Hades is this? But the problem is, and I, I'll liken this, I'm a baseball fan. So I used to point out when people would complain for a while, people complained that Pudge Rodriguez was a bad uh, pitch caller when he was with Texas. And it's because the Rangers had terrible pitching stats. And then when he went to the uh, the Florida Marlins, and they had a good pitching staff. All of a sudden, he was a veteran that was great at handling a pitching staff. And so the way I would explain this to my friends is, is so if you use Pedro Martinez in his prime as an example, if the pitches you're calling is either the best fastball in baseball, the best slider in baseball, or the best changeup in baseball, you're going to be a pretty good pitch caller. Mm. If you're a coach and you have great players and you can go from, you know, one of your, you know, seven or like, say, the Grizzlies, where they basically have like eight, actual eight to nine really good players then yeah you're able to make good moves off the bench and do things like that but if you're the Mavs tonight with this roster and your option is like after you do so Dorian Hardaway Dwight Powell Dinwiddie Green and Bullock all played at least 27 minutes this is the rest of the people that he had Nidalekina uh Wright who was playing with his food with Steph Curry Theo Pinson AJ Lawson and Jaden Hardy and Chris Silva and JaVale McGee. What, what masterful coaching move are you going to make rotation-wise to put somebody in there? You're, you're basically, it's you're calling a Roger Pavlik pitch instead of a Pedro Martinez pitch. You don't, you don't <laughs> have yeah. And I'm, I realize I'm, I'm dating myself there. I love right? it. I don't care. I love it all the same. Man, yeah. I, I appreciate you taking time to hang out with me tonight. This was, this is just one of those, like, we, Josh and I have joked for like four years about this sort of January, February stretch, but this, and and obviously this is recency bias, but this, this has sucked. I am so ready to get through the trade deadline to see if we can figure out what these Mavs are and figure out what they could do because, you know, this loss tonight, let's see where they are in the standings because the rest of the NBA is I think done. they're still like fifth. I think, I mean, I haven't looked exactly, but they're no, somewhere. I'm looking. I'm looking. The Mavericks are sixth. But Six. they're like half a game out of 10th and half a game out of 4th. So. Oh, it's a riot. The best. It's the best. I just, you know, and the Mavericks don't play again. We get a couple of days off. They play. Who do they play next? I don't even care. And I know Josh has the Discord, like the, the this is the discourse team. There's Josh's mm. theory, so I don't want to steal yep. it. But no, I it's mean, a good like, theory. Because they are, because you can absolutely, if 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 you tell me, Four months from now, the Mavs make some kind of small move for someone, preferably not Kyrie, and they go get and Luca gets hot and the the wings they play a lot of Josh Green, Dorian Finney Smith, Reggie Bullock, who is making threes now, by the way. Um <laughs> and you know, they go small and, and Maxie's back and you know, whatever. If that happens and hypothetically Christian would still here and does something, or if they trade or if he's who they trade for someone, all of that, if that happens and they go in the West. There's not a team in the West I can't see them beating. 
I mean, like, I, I think that the Nuggets are clearly the class of the West, but they're a tough, the Mavs are a tough matchup for them just because. I mean, the Mavs are a terrifying matchup regardless of their record. That's where and I so, agree with most people. It's just like, do you get to the playoffs and feel okay? Because they're always going to have, in a playoff setting, unless they play the Bucks, they are always going to have the player I think is the best player in a playoff series. And yep. I might still think that they play the Bucks, but it's, it really is just that's what makes them that's that's what makes the Mavs so frustrating is because they're so close, but it also feels like they're so far away on nights like tonight when you look at them and you're just like, man, they they're just out talented, and so yep. it's that's what makes them frustrating, and so that is why we are going to continue to do the same thing we've done for most <laughs> of this season. That is absolutely right, Matthew. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on a Saturday night. You go be good. Yes, sir. You too. Talk soon.